Hey guys, welcome to The Good, The Bad and The Ghosted, the weekly dating podcast that covers the good, the bad and everything in between. Each week I'll be chatting to different guests about everything from dating and mental health, self-love, sexual empowerment and so much more. Trust me, you are not going to want to miss this. Today's episode, I am joined by the amazing David Chambers, who, amongst so much, is a dating and intimacy coach plus podcaster, where we chat all things dating and relationships from a man's perspective. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Welcome to The Good, The Bad and The Ghosted. Why don't we kick things off and start with you telling us a little bit about who you are, what you do, your podcast, your platform, and what you do, basically. Yeah, so who I am, I'm David Chambers. Um, I'm a dating and intimacy expert. And I started uh, Authentic Dating Series with a friend of mine, Ahmed, about two, two and a half years ago now. Um, I've about 48 episodes, no, sorry, 78 episodes oh, wow. of a podcast, um, which is all about dating, uh, basically aimed at men and helping men empower themselves in their dating lives. Um, we use a, the, the idea behind it is that you know, men, we are taught how to be a certain way by society that actually doesn't necessarily work for us um, a lot of the time. So I help, I coach men and I try and unpick that for them. So Ahmad was running the podcast with me up until around Christmas and he's gone off to follow his passion of uh, writing a movie script. So oh, fantastic. I'm running alone now. Um, yeah, yeah, he's really doing some beautiful work there. But it's, it's it's really about teaching men that they can be a lot more than who they think they are. Mm-hmm. Um, they're capable of creating connection in way that they ways that they dream of or, or ways in which they didn't even realise they could, um, as well as they can build confidence. Um, yeah, a big part of my work is building confidence. And a big part of my work now is around emotional intelligence. Um, I find that underneath a lack of confidence, under a lack of assertiveness or a lack of ability to kind of express oneself is usually the lack of ability to connect with one's emotions and communicate them. Yeah. And once we can communicate those efficiently, and I don't want to say efficiently, once we can communicate those confidently and accept other people's emotions, our relationships just skyrocket and the ability to connect and enjoy our relationships improve. And another part of the work that I do is um, I've been learning, I've, uh, t- I teach Tantra and I've been learning about Tantra for oh, a number wow. of years. So I run Tantra workshops for men and for couples. Um, I run a really beautiful workshop with my partner, actually, That's last week so cool. for, for 80 couples. Um, and we taught them the basics of tantric massage. And it was it was glorious to, to see them kind of evolve over the course of two, two and a half hours. Yeah. That's amazing. So actually, just before we started recording, you mentioned that you obviously have another job that you do day to day and you kind of just started doing this and realised that it was your passion and what you wanted to do. How did you find that out? How did you kind of fall into this? So about 12 years ago, like many a man, I was frustrated with my dating life. I was unhappy with the women I was meeting. You know, I would have been in my kind of mid early 20s. Um and I was, you know, had a nice career going and I love to travel and enjoy myself in, in ways like that. And I was meeting a lot of women that just wanted to get drunk, uh, were obsessed with money and handbags and that sort of thing. And it just wasn't of interest to me. Yeah. So I found myself a bit disappointed. I did a lot of Googling. Um, I read the book, The Game, did some more Googling, went to a workshop, um, met a group of men who were kind of teaching uh, what would have been like pickup in, in those days. And I joined them and started working with them and teaching with them. And through that, I built a lot of confidence in just being able to speak to women. Not that I wasn't really there for me. It was just more that I didn't realise how much more confidence I had. 
and mm-hmm. um, started teaching men and started to teach men from a very authentic place of like, how can you communicate who you are to the woman that's in front of you, no matter who you are, and have her be interested in who you are? Because it's not about, often we think as men, it's like, oh, I need to be like rich or good looking yeah, and absolutely. have a great job and blah, blah, blah. But that's all bollocks. You don't need those things. What you really need to do is be able to like, be, have a level of charisma and all these things can mm-hmm. be learned and taught. So I did that for a while felt that it was moving in a very seedy direction Met a lot of men who hate women i have a deep love for women and and the feminine and everything that comes with that and respect for that and i felt i was meeting a lot of men who didn't so one thing actually i wanted to ask because i think there has been a lot of bad press around you know uh that book and the workshops that followed that where you know it was about picking up girls but not in a nice way and it was kind of mm. almost a little bit manipulating and you know it it wasn't really being the, the light being shown it wasn't very positive so did you find that that definitely was the case but there were also people that were wanting to actually use it for good yeah yeah and that's exactly it there were there was the guys I worked with mostly were men who really wanted to just spend time and get to know women and develop themselves this was one of the sides of things that I started to see was it, things didn't split into two, but there were different categories and camps. There were men who just wanted to have more sex or get sex for mm-hmm. the first time. You imagine you're a man and you're 25 years old and you've never had sex with a woman. Women never pay attention to you. All they do is ignore you. They're rude to you. They don't look at you. You would feel quite angry, right? And there's a lot of those guys. But there were also men who really wanted to just be with women, get to know them. So there were men who were teaching some really good stuff about how to develop yourself, how to develop your confidence and talk to women. And there was a smaller subset, I'd say, of men who were teaching things that did feel quite manipulative. At the time, it wasn't obvious. You didn't see it. You just felt like it was It was very systematic. When it was systematic, yeah. it felt inauthentic. And that's where I didn't kind of move towards because it didn't suit my personality. My personality has always been, I've been reasonably outgoing and I want to talk to people. I want to get, I'm very curious about people. So I want to know them. Um, yeah. So there was that that movement, but I felt like there was a lot of uh, the, the systematic nature of kind of manipulating women and pushing at their insecurities didn't really sit well with me. So I left the industry then and just went on my own personal journey of a lot of self-development work, a lot of self-development work where I was just like learning about my past, how that was affecting my dating life, my relationships. And fast forward to I went traveling for two years and I kind of came back. And Ahmad just said to me one day, we were talking about a friend of ours who was dating. He just said, you know, we should really make use of all this dating knowledge because after we did all the kind of pickup stuff, we've added to it because we realised that it's not just about what you say, it's about who you who are. Who you are, absolutely. And how you can develop who you are. So we started the podcast um, and it was start of a podcast. Now I'm running events like monthly. I've got, you know, seven or eight coaching clients that I work with, Um men who who are just trying to be better men actually it's like that is the big thing that they're trying to be they want to be better men they want to create better relationships um so yeah yeah I'm, I'm really loving this work and it's gonna it's i can just see how it's developing for me and how it's unfolding in a way that it's just yeah, gonna be absolutely. what i do yeah and i think it's definitely something as well that especially you know if you talk about um you know men and their emotions that's still a very ongoing conversation obviously Mm. you know the doors have opened slightly and it's a conversation that people are starting to have more but I think definitely it's it's important I mean I'm a firm believer in it I'm a huge advocate of mental health both in women and men as well Um, and I think it's 
it's all encompassed, right? Everything leads towards, you know, who you are as a person, your confidence, your self-esteem, and that helps you in, you know, every walk of life, whether it's your job, your relationships, your friendships, everything. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I completely agree with you. I and mean, the problem that men have been facing for, as you know, as long as I've been alive and way before that, is we're told that emotions are weak. We are told constantly through the media, through images, through television, that our only strength is in our what we can produce. Our only value is what we can do, how much money we make and what status we have. And what that does is it means that we're completely externally referenced. So we only get validation for what we do. So if I make more money, I get what validated. What provide. Exactly. And it yeah. means that our emotions are valueless to us, right? Because who, who needs emotions? They just get in the way. But mm-hmm. this kind of thinking has created the world we live in now where there's a lot of heartlessness there's a lot of like even down to like I'm gonna, maybe this is quite extreme but rape culture is comes down to the fact that a lot of men feel entitled to sex entitled to women's bodies and they don't think and they can't empathize with how a woman is feeling because they don't empathize with their own feelings um so the, the movement around what I like to call now kind of healthy masculinity or integrated masculinity is is really moving forward beautifully. And I've been involved in it now for a couple of years. And I, I just find myself in some amazing spaces where, you know, last yesterday I was in a men's group of maybe 15 or so men on Clubhouse wow. who were just speaking openly about what they're feeling, their struggles, their their struggles with their fathers and how that's impacting them. And there are people, the way the men's group is, is, is structured is that people can come in the audience and just listen, men and women. So women were just listening. And at the end, they were allowed to come up on stage and say, you know, what they felt, whatever. And women are like, I never knew there were men like this. I didn't believe yeah, men could be like this. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? That's why I wanted to do an episode like this, because it's not just about, oh, you know, why can guys be such arseholes sometimes? And, you know, all the, you know, I mean, we'll come on to it a little bit later, but I think, you know, the narrative is always that the guy is the bad one. They're yeah. always the one that do you wrong. Because I think, as we were talking just before we started recording, I think there's a lot of um, conversations out there, but they always tend to be from the, the female side because girls are really comfortable talking about the dates and they talk with their friends and they're very open about what they go through, whereas men probably don't. And I'm sure mm-hmm. if, you know, for instance, if a guy gets ghosted, which I'm sure happens a lot more than you probably see that it does, mm-hmm. you know, chances are they're probably not going to talk about it because they might feel a bit embarrassed, they might feel a bit ashamed, which is why it's always just a very one-sided conversation. And mm-hmm. that's why I think it's really important to kind of, you know, move that line a little bit more centrally so that we know there are people out there who you know or men out there who are nice they want to find the same thing that women do they want to find the connections the intimacy the emotions and and everything like that I think it's a really important message Mm -hmm. and the the thing is is that again back to the this is where the emotion part comes in that men are told that they shouldn't complain they just have to suck up and shut up right they have to man up so you're not going to have men too many men complaining that their girlfriends are cheating on them that their girlfriends abuse them emotionally abuse them treat them badly mm-hmm. like you know I've, I've heard it i've heard it all as a coach you know I imagine yeah i hear men say you know i can think of a client i've worked with not too long ago where his girlfriend out of the blue out of nowhere just said to him it's over I want you to leave. Never gave him a reason. And you know really? what? Yeah. And and, uh, and I, obviously I see a very balanced view on this, right? Because I know that when I speak to people I coach with, I'm like, okay, that's your perception. 
Mm-hmm. And there's another side to that story. But often, yeah, you know, and he's not going around telling his mates, oh, yeah, she just came in one day and left because he's ashamed. Right. He feels like he's done something wrong. He's not going to talk about it. Right. Because as a man, you don't want to feel shame because that's it. Your value in the world is what you create. And if you can't keep your woman, quote unquote, then what sort of man are you? So. Yeah. So there's a lot of um, there's a lot that's tied up with our ability to date and our ability to communicate that's tied up with with kind of our traditional views of masculinity. And do you think and I don't want this to come across in the wrong way, but do you think the kind of perception of men is is due to like or or how men feel or how they don't feel is almost like a lack of education in terms of you know in school you're not really taught things like this you're not taught to be in touch with your emotions and how you feel and and like you said you know I think sometimes perhaps maybe not now but um you know 10 20 years ago you know a father would perhaps be very much like oh chin up mate you know man up and you're kind of you know, brought up on on that assumption so do you think there needs to be like still more education to kind of show people that men can still have those emotions as well yeah yeah i think there's an education for women actually out there that teaches women that men are not unfeeling this is it's often like I've heard this on on Instagram was a never, I'll never forget a woman who I was, was talking to and I think she listened to a particular podcast episode and she she said she had just believed that men don't feel so she had treated them in in such a way and she when she heard the episode she she realized how badly she had treated some men purely based on this idea she had this belief that she had that men didn't feel mm-hmm. and when we have a belief about something right this men and women when we have a belief we don't necessarily walk around in the world trying to challenge that belief. We do the opposite. We have confirmation bias. So we walk around the world trying to fit what we see in the world into the beliefs that we have. So mm-hmm. when you hear uh, women say, all men are trash, right? You say, all men are rubbish. You know, no men, they don't care. They don't want anything serious. That doesn't entice you to go and look for men who want something serious. It entices you to prove yourself correct all the time. Yeah, And you walk around the world going, all men are bad. Look, he did that, he's bad. He did that, he's bad. And then it makes you miserable and unhappy. Um, So the same is said for when women view men as like unfeeling, not wanting commitment, not wanting anything serious, is we fit the world into our beliefs, right? I mean, it's very much like, I mean, one thing I've recently gotten into is like manifestation. And it's like you manifest what you want yeah. in the world, right? So if you're constantly focusing on the negative, you're only going to allow the negative into your life. Whereas if you go out there and mm. you, you know, put out into the world what you want to get back, you know, that is just, mm. in my belief, how it how it works. You know, if you're positive, positive things will happen. Um, so I think it's, you know, a really, really important way to, to look at things. And, and like you said, unfortunately, there are people who, you know, from society, social media, films... Yeah, you, you, I mean, you can name everything, to be honest, that I think has always kind of pointed that narrative in sort of a negative point of view towards men, which I think is such a shame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, my, my, one of my mentors, uh, William Whitecloud, his, his phrase was, your focus creates your reality. And it's really nuanced in a way, because often we go, oh, but I'm focusing on this. But actually, when we, we look a bit deeper at our beliefs, and this is some of the work I do with, with men like Coachriff, is like, what you say you're doing and what's going on underneath can often be two completely different things. And what's going on underneath, which is happening in your subconscious and happening in your mind, is actually controlling your actions and your perception of life. So your focus creates your reality. So it's like when you, like you said, when we focus on the negative and what's wrong, 
we just bring more of that into our life. But we actually mm-hmm. just see more of it, right? But yeah. even if we are focusing on the positive, but because of uh, a direct opposition to the negative, our focus is still rooted in the negative, right? And I'm not prescribing that everyone just walk around being happy all the time because actually I think that's yeah. a, that's that's you know that's a whole toxic side of, uh, kind yeah, of toxic positivity, positive. right? Yeah, because we should feel, um, but we should also try and take the moments of our lives and the people we meet at as they are, not as we have assumed them to be. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. So moving on, I mean, I literally feel like we could talk about something like this, like all night, <laughs> um, but kind of moving on a little bit. So with your coaching, you said you've got some clients and stuff. So what can they expect when they come to you? Where do you start? Like, do you have a process? Is it like a one size fits all or do you kind of tailor make it to each person? Oh, everyone's different. And I really believe that everyone, every person is different. I see common things come up for men uh, that come to me for coaching. Um you know, one of the first things I do is we, we sit up a bit and, and we kind of analyse what's going on. What's your problem? What's the prob- What's the big problem for you? And I have a few processes I run men through to kind of get to the bottom of the problem, right? Yeah. To get to the real problem that's under the there. And we, yeah. Yes. And we start to work on that um, and what that root belief is. And we start to build up from that point. And then we go through sessions, a lot of questions, questioning and like, uh, why are you acting in that way? What's made you, is it not a questioning? It's sort of like, oh, why are you acting in that way? Oh, I'm doing that because of this. Is that true? Is that the case? Is that how things are? And we start to unpick, there's a lot of assumptions. There's a lot of um, ways in which we have experienced things in the past and we assume that we're going to experience them in the future. Um, and then there's also a lot of work I do around like helping men reshape their life a little bit, you know? Like, because... If you feel that you don't have anything to talk about in your conversation, there might be something in your life that you're not really engaging in. You know, like if you find yourself, you believe that you're uninteresting. It's like, okay, why are you uninteresting? We start getting to that. It's like, oh, you're not following the things you enjoy. You're not doing the things you love doing or you're not talking about the things you love doing. Because when we start talking about things with passion, right, people want to be involved with us. People want to listen to us. It just attracts people, right? Exactly, exactly. But even if it's not just passion, if you, if I can tell you a sad story, right? I can tell you a sad story. And if I, if I can tell it to you in a way that actually expresses the sadness of the story and you can empathise with it, you also want to hear that story too because it makes you feel something. We all just yeah. want to feel something. We want to feel well, It's about engaging people. as well, right? You want to engage with people. Like it's all good and well, you know, two people getting together, having a back and forth conversation. But if unless you connect and engage with each other, it, it doesn't really mean a whole lot. It obviously might mean something from each side because those people might be working on something individually, whether it be confidence and, you know, learning how to, you know, speak and talk confidently. But, you know, unless you have that connection it's it's never going to go very far yes yes exactly and it's so a lot of it is around kind of connection and connection isn't just about conversation there's a a lot about connection around one's being and how one moves and how comfortable one feels in in their body Um, and this is where some of the tantric practices really come in is like getting men back into their body and feeling what's going on and Mm -hmm. i get more and more getting men coming now who are looking for help sexually uh, whether they be in relationship or not in relationship um, is like how can we, I express myself, express themselves better sexually with their partners, with the women that they're meeting? Um, and I also, it's funny enough, I have a podcast about dating, but there's a lot of I have probably like fifty percent of my clients, yeah, they're in relationships, and they're wanting to deepen 
the relationship yeah. they have and, and strip from the relationship they have. And, and, you know, these are sort of men that uh, society and much of Instagram would tell you don't exist. Men who want to deepen the relationship they have with their partners, who love their partners deeply. Yeah. And they want to know, how can I make my relationship better? I want it to be the best relationship it can be. I want to feel deeply connected to her. I want to... I want to kind of have the sort of relationship that I, I dreamt of having. And they, and they come and they're like, you know, what, what, do I, what do I do? How can I do that? And I, I work with them to, to make that happen. That's amazing. Which actually leads me on to my next question is why do, I think more so in dating, especially in the app world and the world that we kind of live in now, why do the nice guys finish last? Because you're talking about there are nice guys out there, but why do girls always go for the bad boy? So this, this is a, it's a great question. It's, a, it's an age-old question. I think we'll, I'll be yeah. talking about this with my <laughs> grandkids. Um, yeah. You have niceness over here on this. This is my right hand on, on, the, on this far side. That's just being nice, people-pleasing, giving everybody what they need, um, saying yes to everything even when they don't, not asking for what they need or, or what they would like. And over here you have men who have we'll call them the bad boys, right? They have ultra rigid boundaries. They are probably uh, double, they have double standards. They will take what they want. They won't even ask for it sometimes, right? Um, And they move through the world in the way they want to. They say what they want. And they often are quite charismatic because they just speak their mind. They speak what they're, not necessarily even what they're feeling, but often what is just there for them at any given moment. They don't care what people think a lot of the time. They do care, but they're able to exhibit ways in which they don't care. Surface level, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. So the nice guys over here, the problem with them is that really, we all want to interact with people with boundaries, right? We want to come up against someone and be like, ah, this is who you are. I want to feel who you are. I feel who you are because you said, I'm anti-war or I'm a vegan. These are the things I believe in. The problem with nice guys a lot of the time is, you can't really feel them because they're just they're just telling you what they think you want to hear, yeah. which isn't who they are and isn't really what you want to hear. What you want to hear is who they are. You want to feel who they are. But these are sort of men who you don't feel because they're too scared to communicate what they're feeling because they don't want to upset you. So that's on, on the fast side of the kind of ultra nice guy, right? And I, I find myself working with a, a number of these guys because what they need to start building up is a level of assertiveness, a level mm-hmm. of confidence, um, and I kind of put that all inside the, the bracket of kind of masculinity because inside that is a level of like trusting their own decisions, you know, communicating their wants and needs, um, feel, learning to have boundaries and be self-responsible and not blame the world for their problems, um, not being so self-critical. And this, when they can start doing this, it shifts them along this line into a more middle place where they have love and care for the people they're with, but they have boundaries and they care about themselves as well. They're learning to make good decisions based on what they want and what they need and communicate those things. And when we start to move through the world in that way as men, the women we come up against and we meet, I say come up against as if it's some sort of war. I don't, when we come together. <laughs> it feels like it sometimes. Right? Yeah, it does. It does. But when we come come towards, you meet a man who says, you know, this is what I, you know, wants to take you out on a date. But instead of waiting for you to make the first move, right, and waiting for you to give him some magical sign from the gods that you like him, he goes, he's vulnerable. He's vulnerable to, to I always say it's like a warrior going to battle. A warrior goes into battle 
and he's vulnerable to dying. He knows he could go and die, but he still goes to battle because it's what he, what's important to him and what he wants to do. And in a dating sense, this is a man asking a woman out and going, hey, like we've been talking on Tinder for a while now. Why don't we go and get some drinks when the world is normal? We can go and do things. Let's go and get a drink sometime. I know this great bar, got amazing cocktails. I'm sure you'll love it. And you're going to be like, oof, I just felt this man yeah. who is obviously attracted to me and I can feel him and I feel he's just come out and said what he wants. He's, he's there vulnerably asking me. I can say no, but he's actually confidently done it as well. And you, you and in that instant, you'll think, hmm, yeah, I'm going to give this man a chance, most likely, right? Because the other side, the other way of doing it, where he's covertly trying to instigate you to ask him out, what you're feeling in those moments is like, you're like, I'm not feeling this man. I don't know where I stand. Yeah. I'm confused. Exactly. You know, does he like me? Does he not? Is he just a pen pal? He's my friend. And, and that's not what you really want to feel. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think it's, it is really, really interesting, actually. And I think, again, leading on to the next question is, you know, with the assertiveness is obviously, again, like the, the narrative in dating is changing. So, you know, I think we first saw it with uh, Bumble, who obviously instigated the women take charge, they send the first message. And I think, again, you know, with, um, you know, the confidence that women, you know, have and, and feminism, you know, women, you know, don't feel like they need to be treated. They don't need to have you know, the first date paid for, like the sort of old school traditions that, you know, certain people would abide by. So uh, is that, uh, are men finding that hard to navigate? Because, you know, some men obviously have been brought up and they have the morals and they want to pay on the first date and they want to make the first move and they think it's their responsibility to do so. But there are also women. I mean, myself, like I'm more than happy taking charge. I'm happy to send the first message. I'm happy to ask a guy out. Like, I have no issue with that whatsoever. I'm also happy to pay on a date as long as it's kind of, you know, evenly spread if you see each other again. So is that quite a hard thing to navigate these days, knowing kind of what the boundaries are? Yeah, yeah, it is for some men. Um, I did a pod, an ep podcast episode about dating post Me Too a little, well, probably about a year ago now. Mm -hmm. And in it, we tackle some of these issues of like, you know, how do you be as a man in a, in a world where equality is, 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 is at its forefront? And I think one of the things we have to talk about is like, there is societal equality, right? And there's relationship and dating equality, right? Mm -hmm. But those things don't equal sameness, right? And I think it's going to be clear in a second. So in society, we want men and women to be treated, treated equally, not differently. But in dating there is a dance to be had much of the time. Um, I have never been on Bumble, but many of my clients, I work with them with their dating profiles and stuff. So I see the messages and I help them with communicating the messages and writing their profiles and stuff. And what I've noticed more and more is on Bumble is women will send a message and the message usually starts, it usually consists of, hey, how are you? Oh, don't. It's my biggest pet peeve of life. Yeah. Now... <laughs> Women need a whole course on how to send messages on dating apps, but that's a different episode and that's a course I haven't found time to write yet. Now, yeah. you could argue, like, is that even the first move, right? Like, okay, it is because you're forced to. You're on a, you're on a platform where you have to. But that's not really in my book. That's not really making the first move because you, you haven't really instigated real conversation. You've gone... No, you've you said, just opened the door for them to take control. Exactly. So yeah. the man still has to make the moves, right? Because mm -hmm. he now has to create conversation from a very bad starting place. 
which you know men aren't always great at doing. So there's there's that side of things. And when it comes to things like dating and paying and things like that, my I, I grew up in a house of women, you know, so my mum was a, a strong woman who raised her four kids alone. So she was always telling me, you know, you should pay for women when you go on dates and, and this sort of thing. And then I, as I grew into my 20s, I realised that, you know, women are perfectly powerful human beings to earn what they want and do as they please yeah. and live and travel and all these things. So I didn't always pay for dates. Some women I would meet would say no. I lived in uh, Belgium for a year. And it was a very eye-opening experience because European women have a very different way of dating to British women. Um, okay. They are far more likely to try and pay on a first date. Uh, they are far more likely to be very fiercely independent. Um, we just have slightly different ideals over here to, to much of mainland Europe. And for, for, for quite a time, actually, back then, I wouldn't really date uh, British women. I only dated European women, to be honest, because I preferred the level of worldliness that they, they exhibited. So a lot of men struggle because they are worried. And again, these nice guys over here, they're, they're concerned. They don't want to upset. They don't want to yeah. offend. Don't want to do uh, the wrong thing. Yeah. And this is, and the problem with, with life, not just dating is, in many ways, there's not, there never is the wrong thing to do, right? But if you strive continually to try and do the right thing, you don't do anything. And not doing anything is far worse than doing something that's a bit messy. Oh, so, Absolutely. So I always say, men that I work with is like, okay, what do you want to do? What would you like to do? How do you want this date to go? And this is, this is in going from being passive, right, to be assertive. Passive is waiting for things to happen to you so you have signals and you can act accordingly. Yeah. Being assertive is going, I know what I want to do. This, and saying, this is what I want to do. I want to take you on a date. We're going to go to this great mm -hmm. cocktail bar. And yeah. we get to the bar and I'm going to get the first round of drinks or I put my card behind the bar. Then, you know, what's beautiful and that as a, as a woman is you're suddenly you're there and you're like, ah, I don't have to concern myself with all this toing and froing about bills yeah, and so you forth. you know exactly where you stand. Yeah, you know where you stand. And if you choose at the point to go, no, I'm getting these drinks, man can choose to say, no, I really insist. And at mm -hmm. that point, it's like, because I've been in this situation, um, where, you know, you go you're on a date and you say, I really want to pay for this. And the woman says, do you know that I really insist? I really insist. I, I really like to pay my half. And I said, I say, you know what? I totally respect that. But you know what? I really want to pay for this. Yeah. And many women well, go, so, you know it's what? About, it's about being genuine as well, right? Because I think we all know on a date where, you know, you're with a guy and, you know, the bill comes and you kind of do the polite reach down to get your purse. But then actually, you know, perfectly well, you don't have any intention of getting out of your bag. Like you're just being polite. And he's like, oh, no, no, I'll that. get this. Yeah, 100 percent. Like, I mean, I sadly, I have done it. Mm. But, you know, I have also been on the other side where it was a few years ago now where I went on a date with a guy. And the first part of the day we met at a bar really really nice and he paid for everything and I was very very grateful and then we decided to go and get some food so we went to like and I think it was just a burger bar or something and he went to the bathroom and I got the bill and I paid because I thought well he's paid far more for the drinks that we had at this bar so I thought I'll get the burger it was like 20 quid no skin off my nose and he actually got really annoyed and he said that that's that's not what he likes to do and he would have preferred to pay for it and I never heard from him again well, well, like it yeah. seemed to really put him off and I, I didn't really understand why because I, I thought I was doing a good thing and, and quite frankly if there's a guy that feels that strongly about 
a woman wanting to pay uh, pay and like having that equality then that obviously wouldn't have worked for me anyway but I found it weird how somebody like that would get get so annoyed about something like that it was a really odd experience yeah I I like to always remind women because this is a question that I've put up on the on my Instagram and a numerous amount of times is you know who should pay on the first date and it's a very lively a very lively answer yeah um and I will say that women are very much generally in the camp of that they don't feel they should pay. Um, and men are generally in the camp of they should pay. And there's a, you know, there's some overlap. It's not hard and fast like that. And I always remind men, women especially, do you know the roots of men paying on dates? Where does it come from? Where did this thing come from? So if you think back, if you go back 100 years, right? Because remember, romantic love's only really been around for about 300 years. Mm-hmm. as a thing before relationships were just a contractual business agreement between two families right yeah um, and just to i guess procreate i assume as well <laughs> yeah but marriage wasn't even you know people just got into relationships it was like you've got land and my dad has land next to your land your father's land so we should get married because then we can have bigger sense. land and then that's it <laughs> we're married with no choice we have children and we are we live reasonably happy together right yeah so if you imagine Romantic love comes along and kind of messes up, up the whole situation, right? For certain sections of society. And you could argue romantic love's only really been in action for about 100 years. Really, people falling in love and marrying who they choose to, right? So if you go back 100 years, women were second-class citizens in, in the UK and pretty much everywhere else in the world. Yeah. They couldn't earn any money or they couldn't earn anything near where men could earn, right? They lived in a massively misogynist and sexist society which saw them as lesser than right? You know, when we come to the suffragettes, we look at that what World War II, some of the rhetoric that was being spouted about that was that women shouldn't be allowed to vote because they won't be able to make a decision when they get to the ballot box. So all, all of this chivalry, all of this paying on dates is rooted in the idea that women are inferior and they can't look after themselves and they, they, they couldn't afford to pay for themselves. So it's actually mm-hmm. a very sexist ideal, which I find That's very interesting day. that it's generally women that are pushing for this to continue. So back to your date there, if a man feels so offended by your ability to pay that he doesn't want to see you again, then obviously for you, that's a beautiful finding for you because that's not the sort of man you won't want to spend your time with, right? No, absolutely. So it's just to be present to the history and where it's come from. And it's like, it's all well and good, you know, but as a man, there's something women aren't always aware of is like, as a man who has had a career and he's traveled the world and seen all, all sorts of things and experienced all sorts of people, if you've been on a few dates with a woman, and I know a guy this happens to quite regularly, he'll go on two or three dates and he finds himself paying for everything for a few dates. And I've definitely stopped seeing women because I've seen their reluctance to ever pay for anything. Yeah. Because cause I'm like, well, I'm a deep believer in equality and fairness and I will treat you with all the love and the fairness in the world and I want you to succeed and I will support you in your dreams. But if you are trying to instigate yourself as a second-class citizen in my life, that doesn't go well with... That's not part of my values. Absolutely, yeah. I couldn't agree more. But I think what's interesting as well, and one thing... I mean, me saying, like, I kind of... I want to even Stevens. So, you know, but my opinion is that... So, for instance, if the guy pays on the first date... I'll pay on the second and go back and forth like that. One thing I will never do is split a bill. Okay, cool. I just, I don't know why. I just have a real issue with it. I think if, unless it's, you know, extortionate, then obviously I will offer and I'll say, let's, let's split it. 
But I think, yeah, I think it's better to do it just back and forth like that. And I think also, you know, on the first date, if the guy takes control and he decides where he wants to take you, then I am more inclined to say, right, okay, well, you organise the first date, I'll organise the second. And therefore, because I'm deciding where we're going, I would like to pay. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But I would never want to split unless like I was saying with my date where you know one part of the date he paid for we moved somewhere else and then I paid for the second part that's kind of fine but splitting a bill I just I can't do yeah yeah and I think it's one of those (laughs) things when it comes to paying is that it's a very sensitive subject because it's money and we don't really grow up with a very good relationship to money we have a lot of meaning about who we are and what money is and then value and stuff like that so it means this thing is and it's, it's interesting to me because I've never had I've had very few kind of dating experiences where it's an issue. But yeah, I'm very it shouldn't much, be a thing at all. Like, but I, but I know this happens to a lot of guys and a lot of women that you know, women who are looking for a man who can kind of provide and pay provide. for things. But I also yeah. know men who run into issues where they're like, "Oh, I've been with this woman and she doesn't pay for anything. She believes that a man should pay for everything." And obviously, that's a very different and more traditional way of viewing things, but. And I, and when I see these guys or I, I work with them, I start to see why. It's this idea that they this is what they should do and they do it, but it's not what yeah. they want to do. They're yeah, just doing they just it because they think that's what they have. Well, they want to please yeah. or they're just succumbing to what they think society should they should be in society. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's really, really interesting, actually. Um, so moving on to kind of obviously what's been happening over the last year with the pandemic, have mm. you noticed with your coaching and you know, dating and everything like that. Have you noticed a real change in how it's gone? Obviously, everything is now, you know, over Zoom or video chat or maybe walks when we were allowed to do that. But have you also noticed, you know, people maybe looking more to settle down? You know, things have kind of been put into perspective a little bit more. So do you feel like it's kind of moving in that direction? Do you see any change? Yeah, yeah. Definitely over the last kind of like, this is almost coming up to a year now, right? And what we're seeing is a a shift in actually getting to know each other a bit more because we're forced to. um, And people wanting to feel a little bit more. They want to develop more of a connection. They want to develop, you know, an understanding for who someone is. So a lot of my clients who are coming to me a lot at the moment is I keep meeting incompatible people. I keep meeting incompatible women. I don't know what to do. And this is often, you know, people always, we always think the problem is outside of us, but the problem always, always starts with us, right? Yeah. So this is often we don't really know what we actually want or we think we know what we want, but it's really not what we need. And there's, so there's a lot of processing around getting to the root of what you really want, what you really need, having a look at that, having a look at how you're communicating that into the world, because there's often a disconnect between what you want and how you yeah, communicate, definitely. right? Yeah. So I'm seeing a lot of people who want more connection. They want to build something more um, substantial. And obviously, is that partly just due to the fact that, you know, no one can just hook up anymore because, well, you can, you know, I guess technically no no one is stopping you from doing so. It's uh, (laughs) against the current regulations and rules. But, you know, people aren't doing that because it's not as easy for them to do. Mm -hmm. The question will come is as things start to ease and open up, do people just revert back to type? Um, I'm seeing more people building connection, getting to know people, spending time on the phone, talking on the phone, finding out deeply about who people are. But also one of the the side effects is people are learning a lot more about themselves. Yeah, that's really, really interesting. And I hope, 
you know, people, you know, I think a lot of people have said, you know, what we've learned from this experience in terms of, you know, like you said, checking in with, you know, ourselves, learning to slow down a bit, realise what we want, realise what we need. Also, you know, the fact that we've had to make more of an effort to, you know, reach out to family members and friends and do, you know, the Zoom pub quizzes and whatever we were doing, God knows how long ago. Um, but I think it's, <laughs> they just, they, those, they, they continue basically, those, um, activities and those feelings of you bonding with people that you wouldn't have necessarily had the chance to do that with it it does continue but I mean I kind of feel like to be honest as soon as these regulations are lifted which is hopefully sooner rather than Mm. later you know it's going to be you know the roaring 20s (laughs) 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 yeah yeah I'm, I'm expecting I'm expecting because a lot of people I speak to her like, oh, I'm taking a break from dating. I don't want to date. There's no point. I can't meet anyone. There's no point. Yeah. And what I'm expecting is there's going to be a lot of people who haven't really spoken very much to people. They haven't mm-hmm. communicated. They haven't touched anyone. They haven't like flirted or laughed or joked. And then it's going to come this big kind of like open the, the great opening. It might be called, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, everyone starts going out, and there's going to be a lot of people who are like, I'm in a bar, and I don't really know. I've kind of lost all idea of how to communicate with a, with yeah. a woman and I'm feeling super nervous and I don't know what to do. And there's going to be a real need for building up of confidence, build, like learning communication skills, learning to yeah. flirt, learning to have some charisma, you know, being kind of more assertive and going after what you want. So I'm imagining there's going to be this, this kind of like unleashing of people and it's going to be very interesting to yeah. see. It really is. I can't wait, actually. Um, so to finish off, one thing I always ask all my guests is your top dating tips. So whether that be to just men or men and women, what are the kind of dating tips that you live by? Hmm. Let's start with the tactical stuff first. Um, I'm currently writing a course around sending the first message because I think this is such an integral part of... It's an so integral important. part of it is important it isn't um but you know you've got to make a good first impression Mm -hmm. so one of the things that's really vital in there is paying attention to the person's profile yes you might take longer for you to send a message it might take you five minutes instead of copying and pasting in the 10 seconds but i've seen this with clients and I, i wish i had the statistics right some clients come to me, they're like, oh, yeah, I've been sending this message. It's pretty much the same message I sent to all women. Yeah. Right. So how many, how many women are kind of answering that, that aren't getting back to you? Oh, okay, maybe one in 15. They're like, okay, cool. Now I'm going to teach you a little, little technique that I, I recommend. First of all, look at the pictures. Feel the pictures. What do you see? Yeah. Where are they? What are they doing? Mm-hmm. What's jumping out to you? What's making you want to talk to this person beyond just like, oh, she's hot. So... Take a little note of that. Maybe write it in a note on your phone. Just mentally take note. Read through the profile. What's there? What's interesting to you? What's reminding you of somewhere you've been or something she said that's triggered a memory or thought to you? Boom. Say hey. Say hello. Yeah. Use their name if their name is there. It's always a nice touch to be called by your name. Never call anyone by any sort of um, nicknames before you get to know them. No love, no honey, no baby. Get rid of that. It's always going to paint you you're as a bit of a... You're really talking my language because I'm actually going to be doing something on my Instagram similar to this, like basically how to send the first message. And like we touched on earlier with the people that just say hi or hey or just an emoji or a gif, it winds me up so much. And I just think, put some effort in. Like that mm. shows for the people that care 
that you don't basically yes. and that if you take the time like you said to look at the pictures you know to you know, if you recognize where they are you know bring that back and say oh i went there blah 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 and then bring that in use their name and maybe make a joke just like have it be really light-hearted but make it you know unique to them and not just a copy and paste because it just it doesn't work like that yeah 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 and just you know and then put some emotion into it this is something yeah. men lack there's no they don't understand emotion there's something called the emotional will um this is i run a i run a four-week course called master your emotions for for, for men and one of the first things is the emotional will. It's like, we'll go through the emotional will to understand what these different words are and what they mean and what emotions they are, because we have more emotions than good and fine. So then put some emotion into the message, some emotional words that, that someone can feel and, and, and stuff. And if you're quite adept at your writing skill, you want to use like analogies and, and kind of paint a picture. You want to paint a picture of the first message. Yeah. And you'll go from getting 15 to one. You're going to start getting down to, to three, like one in three, like one in five, right? So that's that's like my first kind of tactical thing. Obviously, get a good get good photos, professional photos, ideally to be honest. But also, you know, tidy up all that stuff. Have a clear idea. My other tip for people is learn about what it is that you want in someone. Not just the superficial stuff, right? All the the more superficial stuff, like I want her to be hot, I want her to be good looking, I want her to be independent, blah, blah, blah. Those don't really mean that much because you want to go to the values. Like what the values do you want in someone? Do you want integrity to be something as a big value to you? Is family a big thing to you? Because when we start looking for a partner based on our values, in fact, we are actually narrowing ourselves down a lot and we're getting more focused about what we want. And once you start communicating from your values and the things you want, you're going to find that the sort of people just come towards you. Right? Yeah. And that's where you find connection, you. right? I mean, how many times, yes. I mean, you know, I've been on dates with guys who are, you know, really, really good looking, but there's no conversation. There's no, you know, they don't have an impact. And, mm. you know, I think it's so important to focus on the, the morals and, and who they are as a person, because, you know, let's face it, looks will fade. You know, they're only skin deep at the end of the day. You want to look for personality. You want to have the same beliefs because that's what will take you through life. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the third thing I'd say is engage in the things that you enjoy or you're curious about. And I know maybe as a listener, you're here going, oh, but I can't do anything right now. I'm sitting in my house all the time. And I say to you, that's bollocks. There's so much happening in the world. There's so many workshops. There's so many socials. There's like so many things going on, depending on what you're interested in. And this is some of the core work that I do with guys is like, what are you interested in? Like, what do you enjoy doing? How can we get you involved in these things? And it's just that we're not always thinking outside of our normal box. And I think this is the, the kind of, you know, why seeking outside help for our problems is so useful because we can only think of the brain we have, which is limited, it's created the limited reality that we have. Yeah. When you start finding people to look at your reality and they look at it from their perspective, they're like, it's like a bird looking down at a house, right? When you're in your house, you think, oh, my house is so limited, it's blah, blah, blah. A bird looking down at your house, he sees so much around what's going on, you know? And it's that sort of idea we need to start coming to is like seeing outside of our normal box and our normal limitations. 
And, and does that include, do you think, it. friends as well? Because obviously, you know, people will always go to their friends or family first who, you know, some might be fairly, you know, biased and they're going to say what you want to hear. So do you think it's beneficial that you are obviously a really non-biased outsider who can look at everything, you know, like you said, from kind of like a bird's eye view and tell them kind of or not tell them, but help them and guide them for where they need to be? Yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I always say, I don't always say this in the coaching sessions, but I'm like, I'm not here to be your friend. Yeah. <laughs> you haven't paid me to be your friend. You yeah. have friends. And unfortunately, the problem with friends most of the time is they tell you what they think you want to hear, not yeah. what it is that will do you the highest good of your life. Yeah, because they don't absolutely. want to upset you. They have no, yeah. you know, same with family, you know, or they have their own ulterior motives. Whereas my like deep like will and want for people like coaches, I want you to live the best that you can and that means that you might have to be a bit uncomfortable for a while but that actually uncomfortability creates resilience which also creates growth yeah absolutely that's amazing and that's your three tips yeah i think i think that's pretty that could set someone along nicely <laughs> yeah and you know what i actually have one last question and it's something i just thought of and i'm actually annoyed at myself that i didn't think of it before because it's again you know a continuing conversation and that is sex on the first date yeah 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 so you know women have this assumption that if you have sex on the first date you will never hear from the guy again mm. i personally am very much of the opinion that if you are vibing with someone you have a connection you're sexually attracted to them and you want to have sex on the first date you have sex on the first date but from a man's perspective, you know, is there truth in that? Is there truth that, you know, men perhaps lose, um, you know, they lose a bit of respect for a woman if they have sex on the first date? So this is a, so this is rooted in a lot of like complex goings on. So you've got like, you know, there's a rhetoric that men are often told, you know, like, oh, if she's easy, you know, then that's not good. Do they, they start to believe that for themselves? And then there's some men who I, I kind of move with because of the, the learnings and the stuff I do around Tantra is like, these men are very sexually open. They're very sexually mm -hmm. connected. They're very sexually, um, very sex positive. So for those sorts of men, they're like, you know, if she wants, if she's feeding that connection, I'm feeling that connection, then why would we restrict ourselves because of some fear that we have about each other? Yeah. When and what society but, tells you is the right thing to do. Exactly, or the wrong thing but we're both do. adults in there. But there are men out there who are like, oh, well, if she slept on the first date, then, oh, she must do that with everybody and that's not the sort of woman I want to be with. So it really comes mm -hmm. down to, again, is like, what do you want to be? Who do you want to be? What sort of man do you want to be with? Do you want to be with a man who would judge a woman just because she was feeling, she was feeling the sexual energy and went with it, right? Or do you want with a, a man who accepts that? Or do you want to be of a man who is judgmental of someone following what they what they really want to do? Yeah. And do you think with that feeling, it's linked to a lot of other things? So a man that might have those opinions and think less of a woman for having sex on the first date would also, you know, feel uncomfortable for a woman paying on the first date and has more traditionalist views? Or do you think they're mm. quite separate? Mm. Hmm, what do I feel? <laughs> mm, I feel like there could be some overlap, but I think it's just such a, a nuanced point around sex. Like we have a lot of we have a lot of shame and we have a lot of trauma when it comes to sex because it's one of those taboos that's not spoken about in society mm -hmm. enough. I did a really beautiful podcast episode with three guys recently come out 
couple of days ago, where we just talked about masculinity and sex. And it was an incredible conversation because we talked about the shame that we all have, as we do as men. And I, I've been lucky enough to spend a lot of time with women who have gone through a journey of sexual liberation. So I understand a lot of the shame they have. Absolutely. So yeah. when it comes to this kind of first night sex, a woman is concerned that she's going to be shamed and be rejected. A man is concerned that he won't, won't be special. Mm-hmm. A woman is concerned that, you know, if he just wants, if I sleep with him, then he won't want me. I'll be rejected. So it's inside of our decisions and our ideas around that. It's not based on what we really want. It's, a ba- it's based out of our avoidance of shame and fear. Yeah, that's really, really interesting. I just think it's one of those things. There's, I think there's a lot of things which are never going to you know, there's never going to be a solution to it. Yeah. I think it's always going to be an ongoing conversation. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, when it comes down to the the sex thing, I'm really passionate about, you know, you talk about sort of um, women, you know, liberating themselves in sex. And I think that's such an important journey for a woman to take and also a man to take as well. Like I think there's there's definitely two sides. But I think it's such a shame that we still live in a society where, you know, a woman that wants to openly have sex, whether it be casual or, you know, in the journey to finding a relationship is shamed and slut shamed and and called all these names yet a man can go and do the exact same thing and he gets high-fived by his friends and you know is called you know a lad and and whatever so I think it's you know as much as this conversation is always going to continue I would really love to see an equal sort of balanced platform for, for both sexes to be on. Yeah yeah one of the things I I also throw into the mix it's the idea of of teasing and play and kind of playing with the sexual tension and energy. You know, I, I can think back to a date I went on a couple of years ago where me and this girl were getting on really well. There was this beautiful charge and chemistry that we kind of danced with and played with all, all evening. And it felt obvious that we were going to go home together. Yeah. And just as the point where I think we were getting on the tube and I was like, okay, like I live this way, so let's go back, we'll get another drink or whatever. And she was like, you know, I would love to, but we're just going to wait until the next time. And I was like, oh. <laughs> the bird. You know? But, but, it, but it, I didn't feel like I was being rejected. I, and, and, you know, we, we even, she talked some more, we joked some more, but it just felt like there was, it was a holding of a sexual tension. And it was, you know, we, we, I think we did sleep together the next time. It was amazing. But it's also having that awareness and the ability to build that and play with that. Like even as a man, I've done exactly the same thing where I've seen there's a, there's a tension there. You can, you can kind of bring it up and down like waves. Yeah. And then at the end, you kind of hold it and you kind of, you're able to bring it through to the next day. And it just kind of, mm-hmm. it creates that it's play, that, that tease. Right? Exactly. Yeah, and you absolutely. can play with that. Um, we don't always have to, it doesn't have to be a linear build up and happen. You know, this is one mm-hmm. of the problems with sex. With, with men often is that we look at it from a very linear way of like okay I'm building up I'm building building up but actually sex is like a wave it's more of a yeah it's, it's it very much is a wave it, it moves in in multiple yeah. directions up and down and around and you can you can kind of steer it and play with it as you as you see that sexual tension build I love that that's great well thank you so much this has been such an interesting episode and so amazing to get a man's perspective and hear your side and especially all the work that you do so thank you so much you're welcome you're welcome